Live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel, it's Inside the Jets. Brought to you by EY, building a better working world. And by M&T Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. Now, here's Eric Allen and Eric Coleman. Welcome to Inside the Jets. We're broadcasting live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Eric Allen and Eric Coleman here. We will be joined tonight by both Andre Roberts and Henry Anderson. But as we kick off here on our opening segment, E. Coleman, our postmortem, the Jets went into a ball game against the Minnesota Vikings with an opportunity to sweep a three-game homestand and move to four and three. Unfortunately, they couldn't get it done against a very good football team. The Vikings take home a 37 to 17 triumph for me. The Jets did a lot of good things yesterday, even though they lost by 20 points. But the bottom line is this team has been living off of takeaways defensively. Had entered that ball game with 15 takeaways on the year. That was second in the National Football League. They had zero against the Vikings. The Vikings, conversely, had four. The Jets did some good things defensively, got off the field on third down, and handled that Vikings run game in the first half. What we saw in the second half, though, was the Vikings got a couple of big plays from Latavius Murray, and the Jets just couldn't overcome their own miscues. Too many self-inflicted wounds to beat a very good football team in the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. I thought the Jets came off and, and started off well. You know, playing against the Vikings, a team who a lot of people before the season had up for, you know, Super Bowl contenders, and they're starting to play that way now. You know, obviously a lot of talent on that Vikings team, uh, but at the same time, the Jets did have a couple self-inflicted wounds that kept them from winning that game. You know, the, the score was, well, there was a big margin, but the game, you know, there were a couple plays that if they would have went the Jets' way, the, game, the whole game would have been different. So, you know, I, I thought that a lot of players stepped up and played some good ball yesterday. But there were a lot of miscues. You know, there were some drop passes. There were some, uh, you know, the two runs by Latavius Murray, a couple misfits by the, by the defense. Yeah. Um, you know, those are things that can't happen. You know, and, and obviously the turnover battle. When you lose the turnover battle four to nothing, it's going to be tough to get to hey, Against anybody to in the, the National game, no Football League, against. you could be playing the Bills, you could be playing the Colts. If you lose the turnover battle four to zero, you're most likely not going to win. This just happened to be a very good football team. The Jets in the locker room after the game. They were not lamenting injuries. But the bottom line here is the Jets were a banged-up squad going into that game. And you have a rookie quarterback who is going to be a very good player in this league. But when you ask him to put the ball up 42 times, it's going to be tough to win. And, oh, by the way, his top weapon, Quincy Inunua, is out. Terrell Pryor was released from the team on Saturday, he has a groin injury. So that puts people in different spots. And then offensively as well, you're talking about Bilal Paul. He is one of the team's top offensive weapons. He goes down with a neck injury. On the defensive side of the ball, that secondary tremendously banged up. Tremaine Johnson still dealing with that quad issue. You got Buster Screen with the concussion. He's been out. And then Marcus, you lined up without Marcus May at safety, and Doug Middleton went down yesterday. Yeah, you know, the injuries are, are a reality in the NFL. You know, it's a long season, 16-game season. By the end of the year, everybody's playing through some sort of injury, and teams have to adjust to it. You know, you, you saw it offensively 
it was it's kind of that next man up mentality where you have uh, you know the receivers stepping up. You have big playmakers coming up. Cannon had a couple of big plays at the running back position yesterday. Defensively in the secondary, that's the group I've been most impressed with. You know they they, they lose three starters in the secondary right. and don't really miss a beat. You know they gave up a couple of big plays, but you you look at Daryl Roberts, his play stepping up and, and making some big plays. You know that group is is a next man up mentality. Uh, you know they they believe in. You were only as good as our weakest link. And they, that group really prepares themselves to play well. You know, I, I think that adversity is something that this team is going to have to go through, as every team will. And, and it makes it especially difficult for a team with a rookie quarterback missing some key components. It, it makes it tough for him to succeed without many of their weapons. Uh, credit to Vikings' uh, defensive game plan because they took away the Jets' bread and butter. This team is all about having balance offensively, getting it going with the run game. And what we saw Sunday, too often the Jets were in third and long, third and seven. And Minnesota entered that ball game number one in the National Football League in terms of third down efficiency. What they were able to do is play too high safety. So they did not commit an extra guy to the box. They took care of the run game, and then they were able to take care of the receivers down the field. What did you think of Darnold's performance? Again, he's another one who said, okay, Listen, I got to play better. It doesn't matter who's playing with me or around me. The chemistry is fine. And that was the first time you probably played in conditions like that. I was down on the field pregame with Anthony Beck, our pregame central show, which is broadcast on all Jets platforms at 11 a.m. Uh, for home games prior to a 1 o'clock game. And it was cold and the wind gusts were probably around 20 miles per hour. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's cold for everybody out there. Yeah. And, and you, you have to make adjustments. But Minnesota has lived uh, for several years off of playing that cover two defense, having a strong front four, a front seven, and having those corners attack in the run game. So, you know, I, I think they were – they did do a great job of making the Jets play left-handed, taking away what they do, which is the run game, uh, and complement that with the play-action game. When you can't run the ball, it, it's tough to – run the play-action game. It's tough to, uh, you know, keep teams off balance offensively. So Minnesota taking away that run, put the ball in Sam Darnold's hands, made him throw the ball 42 times, which this team is not built for. They're, they're rarely are there teams that can have success with yeah. their quarterbacks yeah, throwing the ball. Yeah, if you, you, if you, you have Drew Brees or You look Drew at Andrew Luck, you know, the last couple of times, last couple of games, he's been throwing the ball 50, you know, 55 times a game, and they have not been winning. Yeah. You know, only Drew Brees can do that. Tom Brady can do right. it on occasion. You know, you're, you're not built to throw the ball around the park, especially with as many injuries to the receivers. All right, so offensively, I, I continue to like what I've seen out of Chris Herndon, a fourth-round pick out of Miami, and Sam Darnold's getting more and more confident with him each week. We saw him with the touchdown reception against the Indianapolis Colts. He had a touchdown reception against the Vikings. He had one called back, but that connection could be one that flourishes for years to come. Yeah, you know, I was excited to see that connection. You know, Chris Herndon, a guy who, who came in and it, when scouts saw him, he didn't get to run a 40. So not a lot of people had a 40 time for him. They didn't realize the speed that this guy has. You know, a great route runner. You know, he's getting better at blocking. Uh, you know, he has some, some tough guys to block against in practice. So he's, he's getting better continuously with that. And he and, he and Sam Darnold are starting to get a nice rapport. So you like to see the, the Jets starting to use that tight end position, a, a position that's been abandoned for the last couple of years. Hopefully Bilal Powell is okay because he is such an integral part of this football team. But Trenton Cannon got his feet wet. And, and that was good to see as well because he has speed to burn. You put him out 
and they had a beautiful explosion completion in terms of the wheel route in the first half there. So uh, Cannon getting very valuable reps as well. Yeah, you know, Cannon is a guy who made some great plays during the preseason. A young player with dynamic speed, can make guys miss. You know, I always say for the running backs, the, the toughest part is learning how to pass block. You know, because you can't play if you can't, you know, adjust to the blitz. Right. Uh, you know, pass. Keep and you're probably healthy. not pass blocking a lot at Virginia State. No, they're, no, they're getting no, you're you not. the football. <laughs> yeah, they're getting you the ball. And, and he's a playmaker. You know, he's a guy who can de develop into a great playmaker, similar to a Bilal Powell. One of those guys, when he, catch, when he gets the ball to the backfield, he has the opportunity to hit his head on the field goal post whenever he gets the ball. All right. You know, like you mentioned, the Jets had opportunities in this ballgame. It was 10-7 to at halftime. 17-7 to early in the third quarter when Darnold makes one of – uh, his mistakes there, one of his glaring mistakes where he throws to Robbie Anderson and he admitted after the game that just a bad read because Robbie was covered there and the safety Harrison Smith was all, uh, all over the top. Yeah, I mean, listen, those plays are going to happen. You know, yeah. you, you're going to make mistakes and, and that's, the, that's what you get when you come in with the rookie quarterback. You know, a lot of times when they, the rookies get to sit back and watch, they can learn from others' mistakes. But playing against his Minnesota Vikings defense, they have one of the top secondaries in the league. Harrison Smith is an all-pro. You know, Trey Waynes is a, is a phenomenal player. Xavier Rhodes is a pro bowler. You know, this is, a, this is not the, your average secondary that he was playing against. He made things tough on the receivers, and they're, they're going to do that to teams throughout the, throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, and then you can even look later in the game. It's 20-7, to 7 and Andre Roberts, who's going to join us on the show, has a tremendous kickoff return to get the Jets into plus territory. And no fault on the rookie here, Sam Darnold, he throws a couple nice checkdowns, one to Isaiah Crowell, and uh, also he moves his legs to get out of the pocket, and he finds Eric Tomlinson, and those guys just got to make those catches. Yeah, you know, you have to come through, especially when you're struggling offensively. You need some players to come through, make those routine catches to move the chains, get that momentum going, because you know, when you're having a tough game offensively, all it takes sometimes is one or two big plays to get your momentum, to get everyone's confidence going, and next thing you know, you're back in that game. And then another opportunity. It's 27-17. I know a lot of people left MetLife Stadium at that point after the Vikings had taken that 17-point lead, but Darnold comes back, and it's a 10-point game with 10 minutes remaining, and the Jets have the ball out close to midfield, and Darnold's looking for Andre Roberts. I thought the traffic at his feet affected him, impacted him, where he couldn't step into the throw, and unfortunately that ball was picked, and eventually the Vikings put it away. Yeah, you know, sometimes you, you get those, those balls where you throw in the dig routes, and the ball sails on you. Minnesota does a great job of playing that zone coverage where you have defenders underneath, guys coming over the top where it's a short window. You know, and those mistakes are going to be made. But, again, another opportunity that the Jets had that they kind of shoot themselves in the foot where if they don't make that mistake, maybe they're in the game. You know, there are three or four plays in this game that, Jets were, that the Jets didn't make or if they did make, they'd be right in there. And that's exactly the point. Uh, people wake up Monday morning, they don't watch the game and say the Jets – we're not in that ball game. They lose by 20 points. If you watch the game and you bring it back to three or four plays, could be a different outcome. But that is life in the National Football League. And the Jets' bottom line, they stepped up in class yesterday. Mm -hmm. Beating the Colts is one thing. Beating the Broncos on a short week is one thing. But the Vikings, they're on another level. Yeah, you know, the, you know like I said at the beginning of the show, they're a team that's going to be up to win that NFC North. 
you know, they're, they're, they're up there with the Green Bay Packers of the, of the NFC. I think, they'll, they have, I think they will win that yeah, They have phenomenal talent. You know, they went with the win-now mentality, getting Kirk Cousins, you know, a quarterback who, who's a gunslinger. He, he has some great weapons out there, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, who's, about the, who's, who's been setting records, you know, since he started playing. Yeah. You know, he, phenomenal talent. Latavius Murray stepped up big time yesterday, and, and you know, they, they were missing Dalvin Cook. But Latavius has been a phenomenal player his whole career, even when he was back in Oakland. All right, Inside the Jets is supported by Selective Insurance. Responses, everything. Eric Allen and Eric Coleman here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. We will come right back with Andre Roberts. In motion goes Robbie Anderson. Quarterback sneak, Darnold pushes the pile. And is he in? No signal yet from the official. The Jets think it's a touchdown, and it is. So Sam Darnold scores the quarterback sneak touchdown. Welcome back to Inside the Jets. We're broadcasting live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Inside the Jets is presented by EY, Building a Better Working World. Eric, Eric Allen and Eric Coleman here alongside Andre Roberts. Our player guest segment is presented by M&T Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. So we were just talking about Andre before you joined us. How tough were those conditions at MetLife Stadium? It reminded me of the old Meadowlands. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, the worst I've ever played in. Um, last year when we played here in Atlanta, it was kind of like a tropical storm. Yeah, it was a rain fest. And it was, it was kind of windy, but it wasn't anything like what I experienced last game. Now, Andre, in a day and age where it seems like they're trying to get rid of the kickoff and, and make special teams almost obsolete, how have you continued to thrive and, and be so successful in your career? Yeah, it's interesting. They're trying to take out that, that uh, return specialist thing. Uh, but, you know, when you have guys back there that can be explosive, that can be dynamic, um, especially guys that can do both kickoff and punt return, I think it would be pretty special. So you, after the game, Andre, described your day as up and down. There were a couple field goals, I mean, uh, fumbles. Uh, fortunately, you guys didn't give up points after those. We're able to recover those. And then you had a 53-yard kickoff return that led to a field goal and a 42-yard return that led to a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Yeah, um, almost 200 yards in the kickoff return game, which you really like. Which is huge. Um, but in the punt return game, not much going on, the muff punt. Uh, fortunately, we got that back. Uh, but, you know, that's the kind of up and down I was thinking about. Um, but special teams in general, um, you know, we had kind of a messed up snap there. Um, some of our punts were kind of – but it, it was a windy game, and uh, we kind of take it with a grain of salt and understand what the elements were, what we had to deal with. But we also understand that, you know, we're going to have some windy games coming up soon. Uh, all the games uh, so far, I mean, going out to the end of the season are all outside. So uh, we're going we're gonna to have some wind, and we got to deal with it the right way. Do you put that on yourself to provide this team a spark? Because there in the second half, you almost single-handedly put this – team right back in the ball game. 20 to 7 you had that 53 yard return. Most definitely. Um, kick return or punt return. Um, I feel like when I do get a good opportunity I have a chance to either take it to the house or uh, have a big return. So I think my teammates that expect that out of me especially now and I try to provide that every time I touch the ball. Now, now coming into playing the Vikings 
they're typically known for their, their very good special teams units. Do you guys take that as a challenge upon yourself? As you know, this week we're playing the Vikings. We have to win this special teams battle if we're going to have an opportunity to win this game. We take it as a challenge every week. Um, we don't take any team lightly, regardless of what they did last week or what they did last year or, you know, who they have. So um, we don't take any team lightly. We, we take everybody like they're, they're the best special teams. we got to beat them all. But how difficult was it, uh, whether you're feeling a punt yesterday or, or a kickoff, when that wind is swirling like it was? Because you can't get a beat on the ball sometimes because it can be in mid-flight and either hang up or slightly change directions on you. Yeah, did that a couple times. Um, it's one of those things where we kind of do practice in the wind uh, from time to time. We practice outside. Um, obviously, last week, if you were outside at all, it was windy all yes. week. Uh, so we got a little bit of work with that. But um, like I said before, I put that on myself. I have to practice that, get better with that. And um, sometimes it's a little inconsistent with the wind. You never know, with, especially when it's gusting like it was on Sunday. But you got to catch them all. Now, now can we talk? We're going to talk injuries now. Quincy and Nunwa down, you know, you lose, you lose Pryor. He gets released after an injury. Uh, a lot of opportunities in the receiving room. How do you take advantage of, you know, both being the, the head guy on special teams and preparing yourself offensively to come in and, and play at that receiver position? Uh, well, I've been preparing every week um, as if I was going to play and as if I was going to start. So, obviously, um, being behind those guys, you don't get the same – uh, reps, just like a backup quarterback or a backup running back, you won't get the same amount of reps uh, as those starters. But um, I always prepare like I will be a starter. And, you know, myself and others have to step up in, in the place of Q. Andre, 27-17 uh, in the fourth, uh, Darnold tried to go to you. Uh, what did you see as far as from your perspective on the route? And uh, what was the thought process there? Um, it was just a dagger out, 15-yard uh, in. And uh, looking at the film, especially uh, Sam had a lot of pressure in his face, yeah. so he expected me to roll out of it uh, sooner than later, and uh, we just didn't connect. Uh, are those the kind of the nuances that you get from practicing, being able to get those reps in practice, uh, as opposed to just having to watch and, and get mental reps and, and you know run your routes after practice, not getting those reps? Um, well, we practice that, and. Um, you know, in practice, it's a little bit slower when you don't have a pass rush coming out to your quarterback because, you know, in practice, our guys can't hit the quarterback. So um, that's one of those things we kind of need to speed up a little bit more um, and understand in, in game time situation, especially in a fourth quarter. Uh, you know, you're going to have to be a little bit faster in those situations. Is that something you take care of on Monday or can you take care of that immediately after when you guys go to the bench? Because there's so many things going on. Um, that's something you take care of after the game. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, okay, so Andre, you were a free agent uh, before coming here to the green and white in the spring. What was the process like, and how did you land here as a Jet? Free agency is always fun. You get to come back to the table. Um, but there were some teams, uh, obviously, I was looking forward to uh, meeting and, and going to. And um, at the end of the process, uh, the Jets had the best opportunity uh, for me at the receiver position and the return position, obviously. Um, I did some good things in Atlanta and Detroit in the return game, so they wanted me to come here and uh, be exposed for them in that aspect. But when I got here, you know, I started to earn my job, and they saw some good things in me as a returner and a receiver, so I stuck. Now, now as a special teamer, there's obviously a sense of pride. And be, being that guy on special teams, 
in the kickoff game, in the punt game, do you pride yourself on, on being that person that gets double teamed uh, every time? You know, because when, when I, back when I played on special teams, it was always, you know what, you got to watch out for this guy. Do you take pride in being that person? I take a lot of pride in that. Um, one thing about being a returner is uh, different from offense where everybody knows you're going to get the ball as a, as a punt returner and kick returner. So it's not like a couple of guys or three, three, four guys are coming after you. It's, it's all 10 or 11 guys if you don't you know, include the kicker or include the kicker. But um, uh, that's one thing I do take a lot of pride in and, and know I have a big responsibility for this team. As a reminder, inside the Jets on November 5th will be a closed military appreciation event. We look forward to seeing you the following week on November 12th. So November 5th will be a closed military appreciation event. Speaking of the military, how much did that have an influence on you growing up? A uh, big part of my life. Uh, both my parents were in the military, uh, retired Army, and uh, went to the Citadel. So I have a lot of friends that are still in the military. So um, it was a big part of my life. Uh, moved around a little bit. I uh, was born in Alaska, lived most of my life in uh, in South Carolina, yep. moved to Texas and around a little bit, but it's a huge part of my life. So is the military still on the cards? Say when you hang them up, do you still have aspirations to, to become a part of the military? No, um, nothing like that. Um, when I get done playing football, I'm going to let my body rest and <laughs> hopefully sell some chicken at Zaxby's or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so... What uh, are your parents still active? And can you tell us what they both did or currently do? And also, growing up in a military household, how different was that? In addition to the moving around, maybe from what you saw of your friends. Uh, so yeah, um, both my parents are retired now. Uh, my mom retired as a uh, first sergeant. My dad retired as a command sergeant major. Um, so they're pretty pretty high ranked. Yeah. And growing up, um, you know, it was a little bit stricter in my in my household, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and, you know, moving around a little bit. Fortunately, um, I, I moved around when I was younger. So uh, I was in Alaska for two years. Don't really remember it. I um, sure. went to Texas for four years. Definitely remember that, um, going to elementary school. Um, and then moved to South Carolina. Parents went to Korea. Moved to St. Croix to live with my grandparents. Then came back to South Carolina and finished high school there. So I was fortunate enough to finish high school with my friends. That's cool. So does that at all prepare you for life in the NFL? Because if you're if you're gonna stay around for long enough in the NFL, you're gonna hit some hit a couple of teams. Does that help with the with the moving around and changing uh, teams? Most definitely. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why I love to travel now. Um, obviously, when you're in the NFL, you kind of want to stick with one team. But this is my fifth team, and I'm enjoying the moves. So. Uh, it's been good. So where's been your most recent destinations in terms of travel in all of season anyway? Uh, well, right now, Australia, Australia, Australia. <laughs> um, I just had a, had a baby uh, five months now, yes. and uh, he was born in Australia. So oh, he's really? A, he's a dual citizen. Yeah, give him a round of applause. Thank you. <laughs> uh, What's his name? Jackson. Jackson? Mm -hmm. Cool. So, um I've been going going back and forth there. Obviously, not during the season. They'll be coming over here on the 30th, actually. But um, this offseason, I was over there a bunch. So how does that change your perspective now, having a little one? Yeah. This is my, my whole floor is pretty much a play mat. Um, I'm trying to get ready. You know, they've been over in Australia, so I've kind of been a makeshift dad, kind of just trying to make them some things happen, getting a crib here and there. But I haven't had to do too much. When I was over there, I had to uh, change some diapers. But... 
she's been holding down the fort, so I know I have some big things coming whenever they get here. It's so, like you, you got a good lady. So, <laughs> so you're going to be one of those dads that's going to baby-proof the entire house, right? Most definitely. And, and Most then definitely. when you have your second kid, it's just going to go by the wayside. You know what? I'm going to try to keep it the same. I'm going to just make sure I have all the um, plugs locked in with, with plastic and uh, try to keep everything the same. But I'm sure it'll be a little bit easier with the second. Yeah. Well, listen, you got a lot of great things going on in your life, on and off the field. I think you've been an instant impact for this team throughout the first seven games. It's already The season is already reaching its midway point. But, uh, Andre, we thank you so much for stopping by tonight. We're going to come Thanks. right back here on Inside the Jets with Henry Anderson. Play action. Darnold fires one into the end zone. It is caught. That's a Jet touchdown. Chris Herndon, a strike from Sam Darnold. That time the Jets convert in the red zone. Welcome back to Inside the Jets. We are broadcasting live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Great spot with Andre Roberts, Eric Allen, alongside Eric Coleman. And now we have a second player guest segment presented by M&T Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. Let's bring in another guy who joined the Jets a little bit before Andre Roberts, I think. Uh, Henry Anderson, a former Colt, who's come in and made an instant impact on defense. Henry, thanks so, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, appreciate y'all having me. So what's the story? Third day of the draft, you're a veteran of the National Football League. You remember the Indianapolis Colts. What are you doing on the third day of the draft when you're thinking, hey, I just probably got a lazy Saturday. Yeah, I was like, I was just honestly chilling at my uh, my house in Indy playing video games. What video game were you playing? PUBG. Yeah? Player <laughs> Unknown's Battlegrounds. It's kind of like Fortnite, but a little bit different. Okay. Uh, but... <laughs> Just chilling, playing video games, and then I, I have my phone next to me. Looked down as the GM's name on it, and I figured I should probably put down the, put down the video game and pick up the phone. And uh, yeah, he told me that they were just they were gonna trade me to to New York. Um, he talked a little bit after that, but um, soon after, Coach Bulls called, um, D line coach called, and um, got everything set up to to fly up here. How crazy was that? It was, it was weird. Just because, like, one second, um, you're thinking you're gonna be in in Indy for the for the next year, and then all of a sudden you get a call, and like your whole life changes pretty much yeah. in an instant. So, it was definitely weird. Um, How does the GM deliver that message? By the way, hey Henry, how's it going? It's Chris. I uh, just wanted to tell you uh, yeah. we're shipping you to New York. I mean, he <laughs> he he was he had mentioned that like obviously that's kind of the 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 crappy part of the business because um, you, you I've, I had a good relationship with him he had a good relationship with me um, and like we're not together and like we're different teams now so um, it's you know it's a tough part of the business but uh, you know he, he he and I both thought that it was going to kind of work out better for me and and I, I was grateful for the opportunity now, now do you blame that uh, that that trade on you guys changing from a 3-4 to the four three defense. Yeah, um, I know like the scheme. I, I fit better in a three four mm -hmm. um, than a four three, and I wasn't really the the prototypical like four three DN that they that they were looking for in Indy. So, um, I think that was part of it. Um, and I had some injury issues during during my time in Indianapolis, so I think that played a role as well. So, um, 
I understood the move for sure, uh, and I'm, I was definitely happy that, that they moved me to a team that, that was 3-4 uh, defense. Can, can you talk about the difference between playing defensive end in a 3-4 versus the 4-3? Yeah, so like 3-4 DN, um, you're usually close to around 300 pounds, like 290, anywhere from like 290 to 300 pounds, and you're, you're taking on double teams from – um, the tackle tight end, and sometimes you're bumped down inside on the guard, taking on double teams from the guard and tackle. So you're a little bit bigger, and you're kind of eating up blocks. Um, and it's kind of three fours are typically designed to to where the linebackers are, are making a lot of tackles. Um, four three ends are a lot quicker, just kind of shooting off the ball, getting upfield, um, and it's just a different scheme. So so after getting double teamed all the time. How do you find time to continue to make plays in the sec in the backfield? <laughs> it seems like you're always in the backfield yeah. whenever you're in the game. Well, I mean, he the the coaching staff has kind of put it on me. They, they, the, the role that they've kind of carved out for me has been uh, going in there on third down and getting after the passer. Um, and it's kind of a new role for me. In India, I was kind of an every down uh, DN. Um, but coming here and, and and you know being more of a pass rushing DN, it's been new to me, but uh, I've tried to do the best I can at it. Um, and it's, it's kind of giving me a little more freedom to where I, I when I'm in there, I can just kind of fire off the ball, um, get upfield and, and try to wreak havoc in the backfield. So, um, I've enjoyed like the, the role and, and, and whatever, what it entails. Um, and definitely looking forward to, um, continuing with these guys up front. Inside the Jets is presented by EY, building a better working world. Eric Allen here with Eric Coleman. And our guest this segment is Jets defensive lineman Henry Anderson. Well, you had the luxury, what I, what I would say a lot of people would say is the luxury of, okay, I'm losing weight in Indianapolis to become a 4-3 defensive end. Now i got to go to New York and be a 3-4 D lineman on the interior again. So I have to gain a lot of weight in a hurry. How yeah. Do you go about that? Yeah, uh, it was it was pretty hard because um, I was like 295 last year in Indy playing playing DN there, and then since they switched defenses, I dropped down to a little little below 270 um, during the off season, and then obviously once I got that call on draft or on uh, yeah once once I got the the call on draft day that I was getting traded, I was like yeah I'm going back to a three four team, so I'm probably gonna have to add add all that weight back so. The past few months of losing weight has been pretty much for nothing. So I was uh, pretty much from that moment, like the night I flew in, I actually came here and had a couple burgers, <laughs> wings, some fries. So I was I was trying to put the weight back on pretty quick. But yeah, it was, I mean, it, I definitely uh, loosened up my diet a little bit once I knew I had to gain the weight back. Still try to eat pretty healthy, kind of had more, a few more cheat meals than I was having during my uh, weight loss phase. But was it hard, um, though? Yeah, like, it seriously. was. It was. I mean, just because you're constantly, like, especially during, because I came here in the middle of the off-season program right. when we're having pretty hard workouts and runs and um, yeah, practices. Yeah, you're burning calories so, left yeah, and right. I was just constantly, like, I don't know. People, people think, oh, you get to gain all this weight. Like, you must be you must be loving life. You're just getting to eat whatever you want. But it was like, nah, like, you're just, con it's like a job just constantly having to, find time to eat and get a snack in here like not even hungry you just have to keep eating so it was uh 
yeah, I'm kind of glad that that whole process is over. Um, I'm kind of at a steady weight now, so <laughs> glad that that's all over with. Why is it working out so much for the Jets? So like I said, uh, you have been paying dividends for this team since the get, and you've really flourished in this position as a guy coming in in those sub situations, getting pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, it's uh, like I was saying, it's it's a lot different than my role in Indy, but. Um, it's nice having like the rotation that we have where, um, you know, we're constantly bringing in fresh guys on the D line. Um, in Indy, I'd be out there on third down, kind of already, kind of already gassed from like first and second down. So third down comes and you're a little bit more tired. Um, you don't feel like as quick as you want to be, especially, um, when you're trying to work quick pass rush moves against the offensive linemen. So, I mean, in this, in, in with the rotation we have where, um, you know, I'll, I'll usually be on the sideline first and second down. I can come in on third down fresh, ready to go. Uh, and I just kind of feel like I, I can move at a different speed than the, the dude I'm lining up across from. So um, it's been, you know, it's been different, but uh, the rotation we have is definitely has, has helped a lot. Now, now with as many com defensive linemen as you have and with that rotation, I know, I'm sure it gets very competitive. Uh, yeah. Do you guys have, like, a, a sack pot? You know, all the teams I played on, we used to put together some money for the first defensive lineman to get a sack. Do you guys do anything special like that during games? I wish. Nah, I wish. But uh, me and Leo kind of have, like, we, we're – he's got three, I got two and a half, so we're kind of uh, pushing each other and, and, you know, trying to get those numbers up. But, no, we don't have any uh, – no sack pot or anything <laughs> like that. How have you changed your uh, pass rushing style since entering the National Football League? The book on you has always been, this guy has a tremendous motor, and from watching you here early in the season, that is 100% accurate. Yeah, it's uh, – I was actually – my rookie year, I was a terrible pass rusher. Really? Yeah, I was really bad. Um, <laughs> college – I mean, my senior year in college, I had eight and a half sacks. So, I mean, I had, I had a lot of success in college rushing the passer. Um, but in the league, like offensive linemen are just, they do a lot of like crafty, you know, crafty vet stuff that you don't really see at the college level. Um, their punch is different. Their sets are different. So it took me, it, I mean, I, I mean, I'm still getting used to it. I, I've got a long ways to go as a pass rusher, but um, got a little more comfortable out there uh, recognizing um, and, and kind of learning and understanding pass sets by the, by the offensive linemen and um, just continuing to work hands, uh, hands and feet, and you know, working edges on the on the offensive line. Uh, I think that's a great point, and I'd like you to elaborate on that a little bit. When you mean, when you talk pass sets, what does that mean for folks out there listening? As far as what are your keys? Yeah, I mean, so third down. I mean, most of the time, if it's third and three plus, third and four plus, I'm thinking pass. Like they're not, they're probably not going to run the ball if it's if it's third and three plus. Um, so I'm, once I'm out there, I'm just thinking, get off the ball. Um, but the thing is like, I mean, some offensive linemen will, the snap of the ball, they'll jump right out at you, punch you right in the chest. And then some offensive linemen will, um, kind of, we call it soft setting where they'll, they'll just kick back and almost like kick back into the quarterback and they won't give you any hand, like, like they won't shoot their hands at you. They'll just kind of, they want you to just run straight into them so they can hug you up and, and just kind of let you sit in the middle of them. So. Um, different guys, do, and like within all that, there's they punch with different hands. Sometimes they'll punch the inside hand, and um, you know, kind of wait with the outside hand until you work your move, and then try to grab you. So there's just a bunch of different little nuances um, that you try to pick up uh, as you watch film and stuff like that. But 
Um, the more reps that I've gotten, the more like the more comfortable I've, I've been past rushing. So uh, it's still a work in progress, though. So so with all the rules, you know, there was a lot of controversy the first couple of weeks in the NFL with defensive linemen hitting quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. How has that changed the way you approach hitting the quarterback? And, and do you feel like you've made the adjustment? Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a it's 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 such a hard rule just because like in certain cases you can definitely. You can definitely pull off and kind of roll to the side. But then, I mean, certain situations, you're running head on. And, like, some quarterbacks in the league aren't easy to, like, if you're trying to, if you're trying to sack Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> or, like, Cam Newton, like, you don't have the luxury of just, like, rolling off to the side. And, yeah, because they're just as big as you. Yeah, like, these guys are going to break <laughs> the tackle if I try to roll off to the side. So, I mean, it's, it's hard. Um, I know a lot of – it, there's been a lot of questionable calls the first few weeks of the season. Um, honestly, I haven't really changed anything. Uh, the sacks that I've gotten, I've actually I kind of hit Tyrod pretty hard in the Cleveland game, but I guess I didn't land on top of him because I didn't throw the flag. But um, yeah, I'm coming. I, I usually rush on the right side, so I'm I'm coming from the quarterback's blind side, and usually if I do sack him, I'm kind of falling. It's I'm not falling like straight on top of him anyway, so I haven't had to adjust anything too much. Um, thus far, but uh, yeah, just hoping I don't get don't get called for that because that's a pretty big fine these days. All right, yeah. listen, we got to have you come back on because there's about 25 topics that w we didn't get to that I'd like to talk to you about. But uh, Henry, you're off to a very good start with your new team. Uh, it was big time addition, great value by Mike McCagnan getting you for a seventh round pick. Um, thanks for stopping by tonight. And Eric Coleman and myself will come back for our final segment here on Inside the Jets. Welcome back to Inside the Jets. We are broadcasting live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Eric Allen alongside Eric Coleman. Wow, those guys, both of them, Andre Roberts and Henry Anderson, impressive dudes, and they can play football too. Big pickups from Mike, Mike McKagan here in the offseason. Absolutely, and you always talk about bringing in good character guys. You know, both of those, both of those gentlemen are, are – are great people off the field and on the field, hard workers, great examples for the, the young players to follow, and, uh, and they're producing for the Jets, more importantly. You know what? We didn't get a chance to talk to Anderson about his nickname. Everyone around the building calls him Goose, but nobody has figured out the nickname. <laughs> so we didn't get – we have to have him uh, back on for another segment. And then Andre Roberts, interesting background. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving all over the place, growing up in a military family, uh, and he came here in the offseason under the radar signing, and I don't think a lot of people knew what he could bring to the table. He's been an explosive return man for this team. Yeah, I mean, and, and having an explosive return man is something that's taken for granted. He's a guy that can help this offense with field position, changing the, the, the size of the field, and, and really be a weapon. You know, he's a good leader on special teams, comes from uh, Atlanta yep. with, with the special teams coach Keith Armstrong I played for, one of the best in the league. So you know he's going to be have great discipline and, and really, you know, ha has had a, a great year thus far. And Anderson has fit in very well along that defensive front because you're asking him to come in and not play three knobs. He's the guy who's coming in and being that situational 
pass rusher, and he's thriving doing that. Not only is he getting to the quarterback and getting some hits, and he's got the two and a half sacks, which is already career high, he's also very long. So that provides a lot of issues for those inside offensive linemen, the guards who've got to take care of him because he's got that long reach and he can get his hands up against opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, and he's a player that, that's just getting started. You know, with his production, you, you mentioned a career-high two-and-a-half sacks, but the sky's the limit for this guy. You know, he, he's come in. He, he's been a great asset. Uh, he mentioned using his hands so well. He does a great job of – he's starting to understand how offensive linemen are starting to attack him, uh, use it against them, and, and it's really become a great competition between he and Leonard Williams. You know, they're, they're getting after the quarterback, getting pressure on the quarterback, which makes things easier for guys like myself who are in the secondary. Oh, you're always thinking about yourself, Eric Coleman. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think about this matchup this week? The Jets go to Chicago after the three-game homestand, back on the road again, and then they'll start AFC East play in earnest because their next three games after the Bears, AFC East, divisional foes, including a return matchup with the Dolphins. But first things first, this is going to be a desperate Bears team because they are three and three, they easily could be four and two, five and one, maybe even six and zero. Oh. Yeah, you know this is a, this is a, a tough Bears team. You know, not many people had them uh, mentioned at the top of the NFC North. That's a tough division this year with Detroit, Chicago, Green Bay, and Minnesota, who the Jets just faced. Uh, a tough division, but the Bears have a lot of talent. Uh, they they got a, a instant upgrade getting Khalil Mack, one of the the defense the the best defensive players in the NFL. Mitch Trubisky's doing a great job offensively throwing the ball around. A couple of weeks ago, I had six touchdown passes. So yeah. he's a guy who can catch fire and, and really be an issue at quarterback. Mack has been hobbled with the ankle. He's still been playing through it. But how do you go about blocking him? You can't go – got to imagine you're not going one-on-one on, one on one again. You're going to need help from the backs. You're going to need help from the tight ends. Absolutely. You, you have to block him for, by committee. You know, and he's not one of these pass rushers that you can say, you know what, he's a great pass rusher. Let's run at him because he's great at stopping the run as well. You know, does a good job of, of pursuing from the backside, forcing from the front side, and obviously one of the better pass rushers. You're going to need Tomlinson. You're going to need Bilal Powell. You're going to need several players to understand where he is every single play and get away from him as soon as possible. Conversely, you mentioned Trubisky. I think he's a quarterback who's still finding himself in his second season. He had the big day against the Buccaneers with the six touchdown passes against New England. What you saw from him was a propensity maybe to escape that pocket and use his feet, and he'll do that at times. Where do you think he is at here early in his career? Well, you know, listen, this guy has a, a ton of talent. Yeah, uh, he, You're right with the with the apprehension to throw the ball down the field against great secondaries. Second leading rusher on the team, so it shows you how much he's been on the run. But he is a player that has all the arm talent, doesn't have many reps, though. You know, he didn't play much at North Carolina. Uh, came in last year, played some good football, but, but not really where he wanted to be. He's a guy, like you said, is, is finding himself, finding his game, and, and really uh, progressing as a quarterback each week. Well, that offense they run, though, you're seeing it from the – Andy Reid tree. What do the Jets have to prepare for in terms of the offensive scheme? For that scheme, you know, yep. uh, Andy Reid, that, that tree, yep. they like to use a lot of crossing routes, a lot of cross-country routes, which is over the top of the linebackers. Uh, you know, you see it with Tariq Hill making those big plays, running away from the secondary. They do a great job attacking the ball vertically, uh, and obviously the run game and the screen game is, a, is an important piece of what they do offensively. Now, the, now obviously the Bears don't have a, a, a Hill on their roster, but 
They got guys like Taylor Gabriel, Allen Robinson is a big play guy who can make plays down the field, Tariq Cohen, of course, and, and, and they'll try to run the football as well. Uh, on the other side of the ball, how do the Jets get that balance they want against this Bears defense? Well, you know, it's going to be tough. You know, they're going to have to find a way to establish that run. And it's tough when you have guys like Trevathan on defense. You have guys like Khalil Mack on defense. Excellent players on the front seven. But, again, the Jets have done it against better defenses. They did it against the Broncos. They've had success against other teams. So establishing that run, Trenton Cannon is going to have to have another big game if Bilal Powell is still yeah. injured. You know, they're going to need some guys to step up. Can't have as many drop passes as they had last week. They need to help out their quarterback as much as possible. Two similar teams, I think, E, and we'll have to see what happens next week. Jets Rewards members, don't forget to enter code HASHMARK in your Jets Rewards portal during the show to earn 100 points. We will be here next week. For Eric Coleman, I'm Eric Allen. We're signing off. <laughs>